It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Monday, June 20th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is excited to talk about what Torts had to talk about in his initial press conference. It was interesting. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello once again. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Flyers. That's where you'll keep up to date on all our episodes and the Flyers news. You can also email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. On today's show, we are going to be digging into John Tortorella's debut press conference as head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers. What did he have to say? What do we have to say about the direction it went? So, lots of good stuff to dig into there. Plus, it's Monday, so we'll have our nemesis of the week, and there's always a good one, so I'm looking forward to that segment as well. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. So hit that subscribe button, and you will get all of our episodes automatically here on the Locked on Podcast Network. All right. Before getting into the details of of what was said, what was your overall grade on his first press conference? Uh, Overall grade, I give him a B. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. I think he said a lot of things that made people less nervous about him as a head coach, because obviously he has a certain reputation. But at the same time, he was himself, and that makes people nervous. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I think B, B-plus is a, is a good range for this one, f- for sure. I think if you had to let him talk longer, you'd have learned more. Like, I think mm-hmm. there were things that were already slipping from, like, what the corporate message was going to be. You know what I mean? It was already, a like, bit. A yeah. Bit. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. But uh, supposedly we're going to get a an in-person one later on so maybe we'll get some more of that dirt then i don't know if but, we're gonna get it I, I hear that like the um maybe the season ticket holders might mm. get that but i'm not sure because i heard that's sort of brewing for next week yeah that would be a good thing for them to do i think from a community relations perspective yeah all right first i want to dig into the process of the hire because i think we heard some conflicting things out there and then of course chuck fletcher had his message that he wanted to get out there about what went down with the flyers for this process so kind of beforehand we had heard that barry trotz was the first choice but maybe trotz had said no and they sort of moved on for the rest of the process We also heard that the three finalists were Pete DeBoer, Jack Capuano out of nowhere, left field, and then Tortorella were the three finalists for the job, which is not exactly what Chuck Fletcher said. So all I know for sure is that Barry Trotz was the first choice. They, you know, got with him a few times and maybe at some point 
said that he was either going to take longer than they wanted or didn't want the job. Don't know. None of us know. But that's my guess. I, I don't believe everything we're hearing as far as how it all went down, because I don't think we really know. No. But what we did hear from Chuck Fletcher is something we had heard that they did use an outside consulting firm, which I thought was interesting. They used uh, the coaches agency. And through that process, uh, there was a whole bunch of names um, that came out of it. Uh, they narrowed it down to eight candidates that were interviewed and that this firm created the process, including the questions, created a situation where the candidates pitched themselves to the flyers before the flyers then asked the candidates questions. We learned that Brent Flair, Danny Breer, and Dean Lombardo were part of the process in terms of the hire. Um, and then we heard the details of the candidate profile. So, like, what was your take on what we heard from Chuck Fletcher? I have to say, I don't know if he really crafted the best quote. One of his quotes at the beginning was sort of like, I think we got the right coach for the right for the at the right time for what this team is, or something to that degree. It, it, it struck me as kind of like, yeah, I get it. You kind of got the coach that you felt could pull this team out of the fire the quickest. But if you wouldn't use an outside agency, is that what they were thinking too? It can't be. So that's that's where I sort of had an issue. Yeah, I do think that they molded what this candidate profile was had to, to match that goal. And maybe that shouldn't have been the goal. <laughs> so right. I, I think that there was a little bit of a disconnect there. But I think what we heard from Chuck Fletcher matches with what I think I at least what I would have assumed the candidate profile would look like based on what he has been saying in terms of that quick turnaround. Right. They wanted an experienced head coach, somebody with um, a winning record, somebody that had structure was defensively minded they wanted to improve the penalty kill um, and make things easier for carter hart and they wanted somebody who was going to have a high level of accountability and so it's kind of like in some ways their job description was john tortorella and i don't know if that was like in the back of their heads when they're creating this job description it's kind of a chicken and egg right that's the thing they almost shouldn't have had a job description they almost should have just let this agency do it and you give them a list of like 20 things that would be good. But the problem is when you do that, rebuild isn't one of the 20 things and it still should be. And so mm -hmm. you know that that did get into the process of, hey, we're not even going to talk to guys that might be good uh, in the rebuild process because we're not look they're not looking for a rebuild and that's not what they hired us for. So why would we do it? Yeah. And, and then the other thing that Chuck Fletcher talked about that I thought was interesting is that he of course was giving the company line in terms of could this hire affect potential free agents coming to the team and he's like no John Tortorella is well respected throughout the NHL you know we did our homework we spoke to former players and the agents um, talked to, you know, people he'd coached, spoke with managers that worked with him, spoke with league people. And it's to say that John is universally respected and admired is a bit of a stretch. 
he is in some circles, but you can't say that with a straight face, in my opinion. Right. I mean, I think the part of this, like, I get it. There's plenty of players that would want to play for him again. I get it. But did you talk to Marion Gabrick? Did you talk to Artemi Panarin? Did you talk? Like, there's players that had problems with him. Did you talk to them, too? I'm going to guess they didn't. I don't know. I mean, obviously, we can't say that for sure. But at the same time, like when you're framing something like this, that is clearly not true. It goes to your lack of credibility in in this overall process. And I think that, you know, like him or not, like this decision or not. And I have said that in the framework that Chuck Fletcher has provided, I think he is a good choice. Sure, I, I do like, too. I, I stand by that. But the problem is I feel like this framework was off and the methodology was off. And and so I, I just wonder how that plays out in the framework and the methodology for free agency, right? But just like in the article that I wrote on my website, sportsology.com, I have to say this. There's still a possibility that this year is a flop. And if it's a flop, then the question is, do they dig digger in, deeper in, to, hey, we're not rebuilding, we're just going to fix the roster more, or do they then go to a rebuild? Because I've seen teams do both. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be an interesting question if the team isn't doing well after the first couple of months. I mean, we'll talk about it in the next segment, but he did sort of set himself up for having you know a fallback excuse on that oh, yeah. front. He did that very adeptly. I mean, you can't. One thing about John Tortorella is that he has a way with words and he knows how to sell what he is talking about. So uh, we will talk about that coming up next. But first, we're going to hear about our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And betonline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. Betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on your, all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. Before we get into what Torts had to say about his upcoming tenure with the Philadelphia Flyers, we have an important favor to ask you. Locked On has put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners just like you and make your favorite Locked On shows even better. This is your chance to tell us what you like and what you don't like about Locked On podcasts. So go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long and everyone that completes the survey can qualify for a chance to win one of $1,000 Ticketmaster gift cards. So to take that survey, once again, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. And thanks for your help. So Russ, when Torts started off, I think he did a really good job of ingratiating himself to the Flyers fan base, talked about the history of the franchise. He always, always loved the team, the emblem. Um, and that when asked, you know, why was this the right job for Tortorella as opposed to why was Tortorella the right pick for the Flyers? Um, he mentioned having a really good conversation with Chuck Fletcher. It was easy conversation and he was impressed by the questions that he was asked. Okay. 
Yeah. I mean, that's all I'm going to say. I mean, yeah. here, here's what I would like to say. All right. Um, some of what John said, we have heard before in the last three or mm -hmm. four coaches. And some of it I've used in quotes before, like as far back as like 2009, as what the Flyers used to be. And that's still a dangerous spot to be in. And I do feel like, yeah, they're sort of trying to get those um, older fans back, you know, back to the, to the gates. And I get it. But that era is gone. It's been gone forever. And there's still a little bit of a fallback in there. And, and so that to me was like, I'm not going to use that in quotes anymore. I'm not going to use, I didn't use some of the other stuff either because even John basically said, Hey, you know, when you're talking about accountability and um, I think it was structure or maybe it was another word, he goes, those are summer words until, you know, you actually mm -hmm. show up on the ice and start doing them. And I think that's true. I hope on the flyers end that these phone calls with John, these players take it really seriously because the ones that the flyers aren't sure about, if you don't say the right things to John on that phone call, I would be worried about employment. I mean, that's a, a fair point. He did talk uh, to your point about, you know, working with younger players and working with, players in the league as it currently stands as opposed to what the league was like when he first started coaching and I think he said all the right words right that gave people confidence in mm -hmm. terms of you know he's he thinks coaches get tunnel vision and he admitted to being one of them and that mm -hmm. coaches have to check themselves um and you have to listen more and that he's worked a lot on listening and mm -hmm. work with athletes individually and collectively you know to get the best results on both fronts and figure out what that balance is and you know that sounds really good yeah i mean it's like a menu when you go to any restaurant and it's like yeah that sounds really good and sometimes when you get the dish it's not great um i think john has worked on a lot of those things i think john did his best to say he's never run anybody out of town, which again, we all know differently. Mm -hmm. I think he's not done it as recently or at least overtly that, you know, people have really written about it. So that's fine. I think the fact that he wants to, you know, here, here was another tell for me. Another tell for me was um, when John said, well, you know, I had a list and I know Chuck had a list. So I asked for his help. Like, John, I and mean, he pushed for the power play guy. He, John is going to get the guy he wants as the power play assistant, no matter what. Like it would, even if Chuck didn't want that guy, John's getting him. Yeah, that seemed abundantly clear. You know that, and I know that. So there are some things there that tells you um, just sort of where the relationship lies. I think it's a good relationship, but I also think if they come off the summer. And not much has been done, and he's trying to turn his team into something that is hard to do. Then there's going to become there's going to be some friction, and he's going to possibly send some things out in the public, like saying, you know, I need this or I need that. He has done that before; he will do that again. I think that um, when Chuck Fletcher talked about having that final conversation about how things were going to work between them, uh, and so setting sort of the ground rules for the relationship and and what Tortorella was going to need. I think that was a little bit of like messaging on his part back at Tortorella, right? Mm -hmm. uh, 
in terms of, okay, this is what we talked about. So you can't be pulling everything that you're going to try and pull because I know who you are. Okay. But John's like, I got the four-year contract. He didn't say this, but Mm -hmm. I'm just telling you. I know. I got the four-year contract. You don't. Yeah, I just thought it was funny the interplay, the yes. like what was like being said between the lines between sure. the two of them. It was just really fun to now, watch that happen. Now I'll tell you a key thing that wasn't talked about or said that also has to be in the mix as far as when they're hiring people is what is going on with Lehigh Valley. Yeah, that it was is a an huge thing for me. Again, mm-hmm. once again, it was the burning question that I had that nobody asked and uh, in terms of what the integration was going to look like in terms of systems, in terms of, is there going to be, you know, any supervisory aspect of Tortorella and his staff over what is happening in Lehigh Valley? None of that stuff. And in terms of player development and being able to call up guys in a system like Tortorella puts together, that is super important. Yeah. And it's going to be important to how the roster shapes down there too. So Mm -hmm. So there was that. I know there's two prevailing thoughts out there. Some are like, hey, maybe the Flyers aren't going to make that many changes and he's going to just work on this roster and make them better. And I don't believe that for a minute because Mm -hmm. I just don't think, again, here's my problem with it. I know Mike Yo is not John Tortorella, but Mike Yo said a lot of the same things John Tortorella did and nobody did anything about it. Lane Vigneault said some different things, but they eventually tuned him out too. And some of those players are still on this roster. So until they're not right. So like, that's where you have to now sell me that it's worth keeping a player on the roster to hope that you get that turnaround. And, you know, JVR would be the first guy I would look at, obviously. Yeah, for sure. I think that leads sort of into what they were talking about in terms of building a team identity. Because I think that who's on your roster is going to have a huge part in determining what the identity is going to be and who's buying in and who's not. And he did talk about, you know, listening and learning once again. Um, But I I thought it was good that he was forthcoming to say uh, it's going to take a little time for the players to understand Mm me. Uh, I want to go through that process with them and, you know, things are going to be a little bit rocky. He talked about his relationship with Cam Atkinson. Mm -hmm. He talked about his relationship with Scott Hartnell and that they went through some rough times and people got sat and people were not happy. But he also talked about those guys that ended up. They go to bat for him now. Right. That ended up really good. He didn't talk about the ones that got traded Mm -hmm. away or anything. So he gave a one-sided accounting of how it could work. And sure, it could work. Yes. Yeah. So there are two sides to that. Absolutely. Uh, But I I did think that overall, he did a good job of painting that picture about what he wanted the identity to look like in terms of the process to get there, that he understood it was going to take a little bit of time, but that his number one priority was play away from the puck and then secondarily the power play. So, okay. So play away from the- And that's him, right? It is him. Oh, no, absolutely. So play away from the puck. Do we think- Travis Konechny could all of a sudden improve that in year, whatever he is in, and still get 20 goals. I'm very skeptical about that. I don't know. I don't know. It's a really good question. I think he does have it in him. It's just going to depend on maybe him getting some a scoring touch back. Because if he can just get that back a little bit more, he mm-hmm. will have 
the mental bandwidth to work on the other things that Tortorella is going to want him to work on. But it is certainly a question. Yes. And I'll tell you what was skimmed over. John talked about the Stanley Cup, but he didn't really talk about will this roster do anything like the Colorado Avalanche. So as an example, if you want to be hard to play against, that's great. But you still have to be able to skate great in this league. The Flyers are not the best skating team. Are the moves they go? Well, they're going to have a lot of bag skates. <laughs> yes. Are the moves they're going to make going to be in the you know trying to improve their skating, knowing how this division is, and just being big and hard to play against isn't going to be enough. It, it'll be a really tough off season for Chuck Fletcher in terms of finding the right personnel. That's the balance of what he wants to do versus what Tortorella is going to demand. And I do think they're going to butt heads. And, um, you know, in terms of the nature of the copycat league that the NHL is, that's certainly going to play into it. Yeah. Because you got to remember, the copycat up until this season was you just have to be big and hard to play against. Well, Mm -hmm. I mean, Tampa did that and they bulked up at the deadline. But the problem is they're now not fast enough. Like their defense isn't mobile enough. You have to, everybody has to be mobile defense and offense. And you've got to have a lot of great skaters and the flyers like down the middle are a little chuggy to begin with. So now how are you fixing that? You know, are you going to have to create at least one line that has speed that you could put out there to match another team's speed in season when you're having trouble, you know, how are they going to address that? Yeah, I do think that, Hopefully, when he talked about his time at ESPN and watching other teams and other coaches, that maybe he'll have learned some of that and will adjust some of that mm-hmm. thinking based on, you know, his his experience broadcasting. I think he I think he has learned a little and has adjusted mm-hmm. that. But that still doesn't mean Chuck's going to get that. That is absolutely correct. All right. We are going to wrap up with our nemesis of the week and uh, and talk a little bit about the Stanley Cup finals coming up next. All right. So John Tortorella is the Flyers head coach. We have now heard from him. So there's a lot to marinate on over the next couple of weeks as we get closer and closer to the draft we'll be talking about all of that on this show for sure stanley cup final man game two i did not expect that whatsoever i think the tampa bay lightning getting shellacked vasilevsky letting in seven i mean that was brutal yeah i didn't predict seven but on another show that i do daily I predicted the Avalanche to win because what I said was Tampa was showing me no good reason as to why or as to how they're going to cover Colorado. Their defense Mm -hmm. keeps backing up. They are depending on blocking shots, except they don't have the puck. And even when they're blocking shots, they, they they don't keep the puck. They're, they're losing all the puck battles. They're losing all the races. And by backing up, they're leaving lanes open to pass and get great scoring chances. And they have no answer for that yet. And so like even their bottom line is completely neutralized. That Corey Perry line is like a dinosaur line against Colorado. Best you could do is get a penalty like they did and have a four on four situation. So they're, they're completely um, not unprepared because I think John Cooper knew what's coming, but they don't have a lot of the right personnel to make these changes. Still doesn't mean they, you know, 
can't make this a series, but for everybody that's just summarily saying that, hey, um, yeah, they're going to come back and it'll be tied 2-2 because they're going to win in Tampa, you got to watch these games a little closer. It's possible because of a 7-0 win, Colorado could lose that next game. Sure, I get it. Betting-wise, people are going to bet like crazy on Tampa on yeah. that fact. But the problem is Colorado's been defying a lot of what has been thought about in this league and hockey for a long time with this team. Yeah, and I think the other part of it is that Tampa was underestimating what Colorado can do defensively. I think, yes. you know, we talk about Colorado's offense and all of the skating and the scoring that they can do and, you know, the great plays that they can put together. But defensively, they really shut down Tampa with it was such a low number of shots on goal, low number. It was of like seven chances. in the middle of the second period. Yeah. Yeah, which is just a phenomenal effort on their part. So I, I would look to Colorado understanding that Tampa is going to try and get one back at home to really like go the extra mile on that front as well, because that's what's really going to have to happen for them to to continue what they're doing. Well, here's the scary part. Like they don't have Sam Gerard or Kadri. They're number two center. Don't have either. Um, they might get Kadri back at some point. Uh, and Braid Point's definitely limited, but he's right. playing. But the Kale McCarr into the third period yesterday had no points in the series and then had a shorthanded goal and another goal. Like, if he's just starting to heat up, that game three is going to be a problem for Tampa. Mm hmm. Absolutely. All right, we are going to switch gears and talk about our nemesis of the week. And if you are newer to this program, every Monday we look at the week that is upcoming and say, you know, who is the Flyers' nemesis? Who is our personal nemesis in the world of hockey or not hockey? Sometimes we go outside the box on this one. Last week, we talked about something that turned out to not be true, uh, the Barry Trotz decision. We thought that, as yep. many people did, we are not alone in this, that no. Barry Trotz making a choice about where he would go would lead to this domino effect that all the other coaching positions would then fill up with in rapid succession. Now, now July 1st is going to be Barry Trotz <laughs> Day, I guess. Yeah. That's what we hear. I don't know. I, know. I don't know, but it's very funny how that did not happen, despite the fact that all of us assuming that that's what was going to take place. So, the, you know, lesson learned, never underestimate Barry Trotz, right? That's true. All right. Uh, this week, I think for me, my nemesis this week is going to be this rumor mill that starts up in terms of which Flyers players want out. Right. Now that John Tortorella is the head coach. And I'm sure we're going to be hearing more and more about whispers behind the scenes who might be requesting a trade. And uh, I am not looking forward to the discourse. Let me tell you. No, I mean, look, Matt Barnaby, a guy who I know already started posting a little bit about that. Uh, cause he, he's in touch with players and he really, he talks to players. So uh, it won't be from you or me, but you know, there's going to be some stuff out there. There is uh and so, yeah, it should be an interesting uh, couple of weeks uh, as we, again, get closer to the draft, get closer to free agency and see what trades, uh, as we saw with the Habs and Vegas, trades can happen. So, you know, we might see something from the Flyers over the next couple of weeks before the free agency period begins. So stay tuned. It's possible. I wanted to add one more nemesis, if I could. Uh, so Chris Chelios. I don't want to hear that 
defense wins Stanley Cups because defense has changed. He keeps talking about banking up the boards and taking a breath. And all that does is get the puck back into your own zone and forces you to win another faceoff because you iced the puck. He What he fail, is failing to talk about is the defense of just winning the puck battle, getting the puck and moving it up the ice, and, and that's it. He doesn't talk about that anymore because it wasn't a ton of that in his day, and he sort of dated on that thought, and none of it is playing out right now in the Stanley Cup, but he's sticking to it. Listen, all you had to say was Chris Chelios, and I'm going <laughs> to tune it out because he is my long-standing personal nemesis in the world of hockey, and I have disliked him since 1989. So there you go. on that note, our Flyers fun thing, uh, the Flyers announced that Zach Hill, who has <laughs> been in charge of PR for the Flyers, uh, worked for the team for 29 seasons. He is retiring. And man, this is going to be such a loss to the organization. I mean, the only thing I could tell you a good little story is whatever year the, the draft was in Ottawa, um, we went out to uh, eat after the, uh, after the draft was over and we went to a restaurant and we happened to be in a restaurant where Zach and all the Flyers prospects were. It's just dumb luck. You just, and we're out sitting there, like mm-hmm. looking over Montreal. It's like an outdoor seating, whatever. And Zach's just like, come on over, come on over. You know, we're chatting with the prospects. We are just eating and laughing. Uh, you know, of course they picked up the bill. Like that's Zach. He's done everything I've ever asked for him as a PR guy. And very few could, I can, I can't say that about very many. It's just an unbelievable Unbelievable guy and an unbelievable tenure. And I'm glad he's still going to be around a little bit this year. So he gets that 30th year in. But yeah, eventually he'll be missed. Absolutely. And you're right. He goes out of his way to help everybody who is everybody the doesn't team. be big, serve, big outlet, small outlet. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's a really good reason why that group has gotten many awards over the years. And it's because of his leadership. And, and what he does. So congrats, Zach. Uh, looking forward to seeing what else you do. All right, that'll do it for today's show. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. So send in your mailbag questions. You can tweet us at Lockdown Flyers. You can email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. You can post a comment over on YouTube. We do read those and pull some questions from there. So go ahead and do that. I am Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your second listen, Locked on NHL. Locked on NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day, everyone.